Welcome to episode 68 of the GameBots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host... It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched the Netflix original movie, Velvet Buzzsaw, and Christian and I both watched the newest Pixar movie, Onward, on Disney+. And then finally, we'll talk about what we're checking out this week and what we're going to be looking at uh, in the upcoming week as well. And then we'll end with our Amazon review game. But first, Christian, you and I both watched Velvet Buzzsaw. Now, this is on Netflix. It's directed by Dan Gilroy and it's starring Jake Gyllenhaal. And the other big name is uh, really Rene Russo and yeah, John Malkovich is in it. Uh, what? What? How did you find? What did you find? Think about this movie? This movie was longer and more boring than I would have hoped that it would have been. Yeah, you know this movie. It's weird because it's a long, it's a longer movie. It's an hour and fifty-seven minutes, and really the first forty-five are, I think, not necessary. I liked it a lot better the second half there when they started getting into like the the ghost killer. Uh, real, real quick, what is the general premise of this movie? So yeah, so the plot is that these people all kind of exist in the high-end art community, and one of the assistants or interns or something of one of the like agencies, her neighbor in her apartment complex dies and she just kind of lets herself into his apartment and finds a whole bunch of artwork that she then decides to sell against the wishes of his estate. Yes. And um, so what I think is funny about this movie is, when I, when I was looking into it, it was, it said it was a satirical horror movie and I definitely didn't get the satirical elements of horror. Like they definitely, I think poke fun at modern art, but did you find any satire in the actual horror of this? No, this was just a horror movie. Right. So, and everything we, we look at up to finding out this artist whose name was D's, uh, is like at modern art, and then Dees is a very traditional artist, which I was surprised that they went that direction. Yeah, minus the fact that he was using like blood and stuff. Ev- everything he does looks like it could be like a Van Gogh or a Monet. Right, and so uh, the, really, the main character in this is is Gyllenhaal, and you know, I'm I'm not sure if I like Jake Gyllenhaal as an actor. Uh, I really liked him in Donnie Darko. I didn't like him in Nightcrawler as much, but that might have been like he was supposed to play a creepy guy, and I just didn't like his character. And I thought he was like okay in Southpaw. Uh, what do you think of Gyllenhaal in this, and in general, I guess? I liked him in this, but I also do like him in general. I watched him when I was a kid in the movie October Sky, and ever since then, I've I've been a, a fairly big fan of his. I'm always excited to see what he's doing. Uh, and so you had we you know we got the main premise of like they find these paintings after they find these paintings people start like mysteriously dying um what i think where i think the movie picks up is really after 45 minutes once the the d's ghost starts killing people um so i want to talk a little bit about like the first the first time you actually see a hint of supernatural is like a handyman who works for the people who found the uh the paintings accidentally somehow sets himself on fire while driving <laughs> and, and crashes into an abandoned like gas station and so after he miraculously has a uh, fire extinguisher on hand to put out the fire of the car he like walks into an abandoned gas station that has like a monkey painting over its sink yeah which is crazy on its face but it i 
the only way that this works for me is if that was also a painting done by this dead guy, which, I mean, what are the odds that this would just be hanging in a random gas station on this guy's route? But yeah, it, it seemed like he was like drawn there to get painting napped. Yeah, and and this where is where I think the problems with the ghost come into play is the first thing you see in the ghost kill someone is like hands reach out of the painting and pull this guy in. So like my initial thought is okay, this guy kills people with his paintings or through paintings. And after that, that's not necessarily the case. It just seems to be killing people in random fashion after that. Yeah, the I mean it's definitely the paintings that are the root of it because it's the people that die or anyone who has like made a profit off of the paintings since he, the like his will explicitly said that he wanted them sold and or he wanted them destroyed and so anybody who's selling them is starting to die but yeah it the the method of death is not always painting related like at one point this guy gets lured into like an apartment attic by a hallucination and then a disembodied hand hangs him by his necktie yeah, that was the one that confused me most, um, but we had actually talked about it. That guy was related in selling the paintings in some way, it turns out, right? Yeah, he had bought uh, he, he'd bought some of them to hang in his gallery. But the, these murders get increasingly strange because at the beginning, most of them are believable. Like the guy wanders, the guy disappears at this random gas station in the woods. Like he must have hit his head and wandered into the woods. And like this guy hung himself by his necktie, whatever. Uh, so-and-so has, has their neck broken. Um, maybe it was like a mugging, but then somebody gets turned like they, they get killed by a live paint and get turned into graffiti. And then somebody else gets murdered by their own tattoo. Like it gets increasingly strange as the movie progresses. Yeah. Well, I mean, even by the third one, uh, it's someone who's trying to sell the D's paintings. She like puts her hand into this modern art exhibit. That's like a ball that you're supposed to put your hand into. And it's like a (laughs) sensory sensory feeling her arm just like gets cut off by a buzzsaw and everyone's just like, yeah, it must've malfunctioned. Like were there moving things in there that could clearly sever an arm like that? Because it did not seem like it. Yeah. It looked like a meat grinder. It, it was never really explained exactly what was inside those holes. It just says like, it's a sensory experience. So I have no idea. I didn't even think there was moving parts in there when they were describing it the first time. I thought it was just like one of those like, uh, like fear factor things where you put your hand in a, like a bucket and it's touch some grapes. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, they're eyeballs. But it's, Yeah. yeah, I don't, I didn't know if there was moving parts in there or not, but the way they just kind of waved it off as a freak accident, there must've been. Right, and, but the thing is, like, I could see if it's like, oh, there's moving parts, like her hand got torn, like it got ripped off, like her arm was very clearly like cut off. So that oh, like yeah. posits that, like, that's not just a straight sheet. Like somewhere in there's like a thing for a buzz saw to come off, and, which does not seem safe to have like the public putting their hand into. Yep. Boy, uh, which actually that led to one of the funnier jokes because I I don't get modern art, and it's like one of those things where. I tend to like traditional art more. I, I understand like modern art is trying to make a point, but this movie, if it's satirical anywhere, it's in just making fun of modern art because this woman like gets her arm cut off and 
is dead and they're like yeah the guards thought it was part of the exhibit and so did everyone else so it's like this dead woman with like blood everywhere and they're like yeah the kids were walking all over and getting blood everywhere until someone finally like knew her and was like what is going on yeah that that was a a fun moment but the woman that found her was uh natalia dyer who people would probably know from being the older sister in stranger things and i mean that poor girl found three bodies in this movie Oh yeah, I, I felt really bad for her because it was like pe- everyone she got in- employed by ended up dying. Yeah, which I was convinced until almost the last scene of the movie that she was somehow going to be the killer. Because it, it, it's like you said, every single time she's like, I guess I'll go work for this person, they get killed like that night. Yeah, that would have been a much better twist. And I think actually would have made this movie like worth watching had that had been the case because that would have been a great twist. Yeah, I started uh, second-guessing that when the, like, ultra-supernatural stuff started happening. Like, when that girl gets turned into graffiti. Like, I, I don't think Natalia Dyer can do that in the real world. Yeah, man. That girl who gets turned into graffiti, she doesn't know that area, but she's, like, in a bad area. And she's like, oh, a high-end art gallery? I'm going to walk into here. Like That was so dumb. And she was facing that way the entire time. Like, she... Imagine looking up and seeing, like, a brick wall or, like, a whatever that was, like, corrugated aluminum. Yeah. And looking down at your phone and trying to send an email. And then when you look back up, there are doors and it's an art gallery. You don't wander inside there. Look, man, it's it's Diagon Alley. (laughs) Someone hit some (laughs) stuff. I mean, I guess I'm just not part of that world. Like, maybe she was like, oh, it's it's a cool new pop-up installation. Oh, my gosh. So I want to talk about the characters we actually do get to know on this a little bit because I think the the people who are the main characters are all pretty much bad people and everyone else are superfluous and do not need to be in this movie at all. 100%. Uh, so we have Rene Russo who is like the boss of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's girlfriend and she's trying to sell these paintings to make a lot of money that they basically stole from this guy's estate. Jake Gyllenhaal's girlfriend's also doing the same thing and Jake Gyllenhaal is like a super pretentious um like art critic but i would say like of those three he's probably the best one because once he finds out that like these guys are basically stole stuff from this guy's estate and all that like he tries to stop it whereas they are just trying to make a buck yeah he does seem like he once he realizes that like a crime has been committed because again i don't know this world but it seemed like she was like, oh, I found these in the trash and now I want to sell them. And he, everyone was like, yep, perfectly legal. But then she was like, uh, uh, but I actually found them in his apartment. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're like, like, well, I, yeah, they like, they're, because they have lawyers like, you're misremembering, right? Like, because cause they didn't want someone else to take a claim to them. Yeah, it's, mm, a, yeah. a lot of this is, is real strange. But yeah, once Jake Gyllenhaal realizes that like something not right has gone on, He's immediately like, oh, no, I think I have to be out. But that that's what leads to my confusion of, like, this ghost. Because at first I was like, oh, the ghost is killing anyone who has the paintings. But then it's like, well, that's not necessarily the case. He's targeting people who are profiting off the paintings. But then Jake Gyllenhaal tries to not profit off of them and is like, no, we got to destroy these. And the ghost is still targeting him. Yeah, doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I got to say, Dee's, uh, he has... He has a flair for the theatrics on some of the ways that he kills people. <laughs> oh, my, yes. 
so at the at the very end, he ends up uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's girlfriend. He ends up like creating a fake gallery, getting her completely imbued with paint, and then turning her into a graffiti. Uh, to kill Jake Gyllenhaal, he creates a, like, like this robot that you see in the beginning that Jake Gyllenhaal's a complete idiot to approach it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got a ghost that you like. You know, at this point in the story, that there is a ghost running around killing people, and his first impulse is like, "I should investigate this." Right, and he's he's already freaked out. He's like, "Guys, this ghost is trying to kill us." When you see that, you just get out of there like you're not you're not you're not in hero mode yeah absolutely uh and then got a little bit lazy on his, la- his second to last attempt on renee russo he tried to knock a statue on her but missed <laughs> but missed and then and then he had to go to plan b which was bringing her tattoo to life yeah you know like he's like look that wasn't my best work i went back i went i went back to the the drawing board. Yeah, I need yeah. another go at this. <laughs> so Rene Russo has a buzzsaw tattoo on her neck, which, was that ever explained why she had that? Uh, half-heartedly, at the, towards the beginning, somebody mentions that he's, like, known who she was since she was in a punk band, like, 35 years ago, which was called Velvet Buzzsaw. I have no inkling as to why they thought that that was important enough to make it the title of the movie, but... There it is. Uh, I will say, and now that I'm saying this, I, I wish I had paid closer attention to the paintings, but Renee's Russo's death was actually, uh, I thought, set up well because she one of the paintings she took from Dee's was like a girl sitting with her cat in two shadows, like approaching her. And then the final shot we see of Renee Russo is her sitting with her cat in two shadows there. And you're like, oh, something's actually going to happen. She didn't survive this. I'm wondering if like Gyllenhaal and the girlfriend and any of the other people who died had paintings that really uh, was like, this is how you're going to die. So then those killings would have made more sense. But I didn't pay that close of attention. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. The only one I remember is the one that freaked out David Diggs, which was like those three people in front of the campfire. And that didn't really ever come to be anything. Right. And speaking of David Diggs, uh, what did he really have to be in this movie? <laughs> No, not at all. I was excited to see him because I like I just I love him. He's in Hamilton and and the whole bit the whole deal, but he definitely did not need to be in this movie. His whole thing was like these paintings freak me out. And so he was supposed to be like flirting with coming to their agency and then he's like, "No, nah, I don't like these paintings. I'm going back to my old one." And that's kind of it. He's like he doesn't die because he pieces out before he gets really involved in it and yeah, he he had he served no purpose in this film other than uh, to just break up Jake Gyllenhaal and his girlfriend. Right, and similarly, John Malkovich was in it, and his only purpose was to get uh, poached by Rene Russo's like enemy, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Like he serves no other purpose in this movie. Well, hang on, he drew a bunch of circles on the beach at the end. Right, and 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 the end credit scenes is him just drawing circles on like the. On the uh, in the sand, like really, <laughs> I, I like I don't know why he was even in the movie. Yeah, like he's a big name and he's he's like a dryly funny guy. I could see him having been maybe more of like a a comedic foil to the rest of the movie, but then a bunch of his scenes got cut in editing, and they couldn't just be like John Malkovich. We're cutting your character all together, so they just left in little bits here and there. But he really was as soon as it started getting like spooky. He wasn't in it. 
Like, they sent him to the lake house, and that was the last that we saw him. Yeah, I, they, he did have a, they did have a pretty good joke with modern art uh, when the guy who got hung came to visit him. Did you pick that up? Oh, yeah, where he's looking and he's like, this this pile of stuff is amazing. And he's like, nope, that's just garbage. Yeah, like, this, this movie really just rips into, like, <laughs> modern art. And I think art critics in general, because Jake Gyllenhaal's character is an art critic who is so pretentious. Uh, I, I really think the writer of this at one point had just been overly criticized for something he had wrote. And he's like, I'm going to kill a critics. <laughs> yeah, this this movie seemed like it wanted to be two different things. It, it wanted to be, first a horror movie and second it wanted to be a movie about like politicking and subterfuge in the the high-end art community and i don't think it walks that line well enough to do both of those things appropriately and so they both kind of seem like i don't know they, they both seem like they're missing something yeah, and I will say, I think it's better as the horror movie because once it actually got to the supernatural parts, like, it definitely kept my interest better, but that's not until 45 minutes in, so, like, an hour and 10 minutes of it was okay. The first 45 was definitely more focused on, like, art politicking, and that was so boring. Uh, at one point, like, the biggest storyline I have marked down, I'm, like, 32 minutes in, nothing has happened except Jake Gyllenhaal's character, who was introduced as gay, is now straight and dating, like, the his girlfriend. <laughs> like, for some reason, like, that that's what happens. Yeah, and, like, he gets into a big fight with Tony Collette about something that I'm not really clear on. Natalia Dyer has to tell him that Rene Russo's been spying on him with through his ex-boyfriend, and so it's all just, it's very, like, yeah, it's very politicky. Yeah, they had a, but a couple there's... weird, like, underplots where one of his was, his one friend was like, oh, how, because she, she thought, like, the Rene Russo's character was paying him for good reviews. She's like, oh, it just happens to be that, like, all of your good reviews, she just happens to always get that and never a bad one. And it's like, oh, his boyfriend's, like, uh, spying on him. But why is that a subplot in this movie about, a, like, a ghost killing people through his paintings? Yeah, it didn't add anything to this for me. Uh, and then the movie wouldn't end. Like we get the we get like two one part where you're like, okay, it's ending. Rene Russo got the buzzsaw to cut her neck off through a tattoo somehow. And then we go and it's like, oh no, they're setting up a sequel. Now there's a homeless guy selling Deez's <laughs> paintings. And then you cut to black and it's like, oh no, there's John Malkovic on the beach drawing circles. <laughs> like this movie just keeps going when it should not. Yeah, it definitely didn't really know where it wanted to go and when it needed to stop. Uh, so this movie had a $21 million budget, which is pretty low budget for some of the names they have in it. It definitely seems like it. There's not a ton of special effects other than the, the D's murders, but it's a Netflix original, so we don't know. We don't have anything to like box office to match it against. Do you know how this is done with critics? Yeah, so... Uh... Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is a 62%. Audience is 36. Uh, this doesn't really surprise me at all. This definitely seems like a movie that critics would think is better than it actually is, and audiences would be just flummoxed by. Yeah, I, I'm pretty close to the audience on that. I might put it a little bit lower, but I did not particularly enjoy this one. Yeah, this was... Uh, I, I, I don't think... I would recommend this. I was going back and forth 
I, I was on the, like, I don't know if I recommend this to anyone. And I, I think the more we've talked about it, I'm just, I'm coming down on a no on this one. Yeah, I, my thing on it is, I, I actually did like parts of the last half of it, but I really think they need to cut this movie down by about 20 minutes or so, just because, like the first, like I said, like the first 45 minutes, nothing happens, like they could move that along, and then I would be like, yeah, it's like a very generic horror movie, like it's a little bit different of a take, like the, the ghost is inhabiting paintings or whatever, but... There's just so much random stuff going on, and it's not, like, bad funny. It's not even, like, the modern art satire is sort of funny, but I I don't know. Like, it's just boring. Yeah, I agree. Is this, yeah, I'm with you. It it needed big chunks of it taken out and reworked. This week, Christian and I both watched the newest Pixar movie, Onward. Now, this is available on Disney+. Plus. I think it actually had its theater run cut short due to the coronavirus. I Honestly, Christian, I think they marketed this movie pretty badly because I, it, it was not what I expected it to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always a little confused by marketing when it comes to just being at the theater all the time because I see everything. So people... People tell me, like, oh, I haven't heard about this movie at all. We, meanwhile, I've been watching the trailer for, like, six months. Um, but the first trailer for this, the teaser, just made it seem like it was kind of lighthearted and goofy. It was, oh, you know, we have to go get this item from a, a, a man has sent us to get an item for him. This is definitely a quest. And, and then the second trailer, you found out, about the angle about the dead dad and i was like "Ooh, this is not what i thought it was going to be yeah i i had only saw one article on it or not one trailer on it and i like what i got from it was like oh like and i'm wrong like it, i was like oh it's like how to train your dragon like story where like you're you're finding magic in a world or something that you had thought was not existent but it really wasn't that it was more about finding their dad <laughs> Yeah, and like reclaiming magic in a in a world that kind of doesn't care about it anymore. Yeah, I will say what I did like about this movie was I I like the world that they established. Like Pixar does a very good job establishing their worlds quickly, and so the beginning is pretty exposition heavy. But it's like the one of the brothers basically reading like a D and D manual about like how the world changed and people stopped using magic and stuff. I, I thought they did a good job of setting up that world where magic like could exist, but not really, but also like why there's a bunch of different creatures around. So I agree. Although I could have done without hearing that exposition twice within like 15 <laughs> minutes of each other. Right. What through from the beginning and then like was it uh the dad's letter or something? Yeah, the dad left them a note and they started reading it and I was like, This is just the opening monologue again. <laughs> it right. had like one or two extra sentences at the end of it and that was it. And so I I yeah, I could have gone with like a, a fade out where they, they started reading it and I made the realization and then it was just like quiet with music and and facial reactions. I, d- I didn't need to hear the whole thing twice. Yeah, uh, one thing that, and maybe this is just because it's a kids' movie, and I've, as I've gotten older and watched more, I'm like, I can, I'm now getting better, at, like picking out elements. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was a little bit predictable where he was like creating that list about like, I want to drive and I want to be like that and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, he's going to fulfill this by the end, you know? And you're, you're kind of picking out random things like that. So that was a little bit disappointing, but I don't think it's necessarily the movie. So like it's a kid's movie. Uh, I did love how they like this really gave me D&D ideas of like, as like, oh, this is cool how they were inspired by D&D magic and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's, I think, the first thing that made me a little off on this movie. Um, I, I had a hard time putting into words why I was left kind of meh on this, because everybody I talked to absolutely loves it. And so I was I was excited. I wanted to watch it, and I missed it during its short theater run. So I was excited it came to Disney Plus, but it just felt like a D and D game, but without all of like the absolute crazy buffoonery that I come to expect from the players. <laughs> it was a serious ish D and D game. Yeah, and it felt like it felt bland in comparison. <laughs> Because like I've done a bunch of campaigns, I've I've played them, I've DM'd one or two, and and I've listened to a bunch of like D and D podcasts where everyone's just absolute lunatics, and yeah, they everybody in this took everything very seriously, and nobody tried to like seduce a statue or anything, and so, <laughs> so it it yeah I don't, I don't know maybe that's part of the reason that I felt kind of disappointed in this, but I did love the the Raven Point puzzle. I thought that was very clever, and that's actually something I could see being used in a legit campaign. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, I liked how they like, and obviously, like it's a pared down spellbook. But if they, like I could see this becoming a television series where they're like, look at all the magic we can do because they're like, oh yeah, like uh, like that invisible bridge and. You can make people small. Like I liked how they incorporated that into kind of being like him learning lessons along the way. Yeah, the uh, the D and D manual as a history book was definitely something that I was behind for sure. I I also like that they had a variety of creatures in this, and they kind of poked fun at them, like losing their former glory. Uh, what did you think <laughs> of the manicor? Manicor easily my favorite part of this movie. Right, like she's she's posited as being like this ex like insane adventure, and now she's running a <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> But man, when when she gets her groove back, I was all in. When she when she stabbed that pawn shop employee, <laughs> I was I almost fell out of my chair. I, I loved it. Yeah, I that's the thing is like this movie did lean into some areas I didn't think they would. Like I was like, oh my gosh, she killed that, and they're like, no, no, it's paralyzed. <laughs> oh man, yeah, like parts of this I really really enjoyed. I I loved that. I loved the, her her whole thing really. Um, I liked some of the puzzles that they had to do. It, it felt legitimate like a campaign, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Parts of it just, nothing felt new in this, despite the fact that it is kind of something I've never seen before. All the elements just felt recycled. Yeah. One thing I did like was, uh, that he named his van Guinevere or whatever, the Mm. horse, the horse. And then like when he set it off. Like, it broke the tire, so it was, like, was galloping off to its death. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but one thing I, one thing I'm torn on, because it is definitely the emotional part of this is, on one hand, you have, uh, so you have two sons wanting to meet their father, and I actually thought it was hilarious that they only, like, 
got half of their father's body back. I thought they did a lot of good with um, the comedy on like having the fake upper body and that running into stuff and causing problems. True. But like the entire emotional issue is it's one brother who had never met their dad and always wanted to. It's like what he always wanted. And it's the other brother who failed to tell his dad goodbye because he was too scared when he was sick. And so like, that's the entire uh, like emotional impact. Cause you're like, Oh, these guys want to meet their dad. And then at the end, only one of them gets to, um, which I, I, I was surprised they went in that direction. And you never, the audience never actually meets the dad. No. And so that's something, like, that is the one thing I will say. Like, Disney and Pixar are big on, like, defying expectations and, and like, crashing through what the audience thinks is going to happen. And that I didn't really feel like there was a lot of that in this. Like I said, it, a lot of it felt recycled. But that was the thing that I was not expecting. I, I did not think that at the end of this, the, the main character wasn't going to get what he wanted. I agree with you. Um, but on upon reflection, and I actually didn't think of this until I read your notes on it, I think it makes sense because like we're we're shown it's like, okay, it's the it's the I cannot remember the name. It's the younger brother's story. But really, like he's doing the hero's journey and ultimately like the hero self-sacrifices, so he gives it to his brother who he thinks deserves it more. So I, th- I think it does make sense in that sense. It, like, yeah, I mean, I understand why they did it, but it just seems like there isn't really a lesson there, or at least not a lesson that I would want to, like, teach to a child, where it's like, try as much as you want. Sometimes, like, your dreams just won't come true, or, like, sometimes you have to sacrifice your dreams for somebody else's, like... That's true, but, like, this is a kid's movie. Like, make it lighthearted at the end. Let the kid have what he wants. It just, it felt, I don't know, like, vindictive almost. Yeah. They were, like, 20 feet away. It would have been no problem for the older brother and the dad to just run down the hill real quick to to let the kid say hello to his father. Right. Um, I I was kind of surprised. Well, not surprised. I thought it was funny they went in the direction where it's like they had the stepdad uh in it too and he's like oh this is awkward (laughs) like wait you're reviving your dead dad (laughs) i did not care for him no i thought he was fine but you definitely like it was a very generic like stepdad in an awkward situation but also the stepdad is a police officer which always seems to be the case in shows like this (laughs) he's a police officer and i wasn't sure if he was supposed to be a a centaur or just a horse horse i think he's a centaur right well, either way, his name was Colt Bronco, which was just, oh. like, come on. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, nobody tried on that one. What did you think about the dragon at the end? I thought it was cool. I could have done without, like, the goofy cartoon face that it had, but I, I did think it was neat how it ripped the school apart. And I liked how they circled back around to the fountain. That was, that was like, a Chekhov's gun I was not expecting. Yeah, I was surprised they did it, but as soon as they did, I was like, oh, stone dragon. And it's like their mascot was a dragon. I was like, I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah, I did like that. I also I also like that the kid had to, and of course, this is another fairly predictable thing, like the list you were talking about before, but to defeat the dragon, the kid had to use like all of the spells that he had learned in rapid succession. Yeah. Dude, this show is definitely sorry. This movie is definitely going to get like a TV show on Disney at some point, like at least one season. Like it has enough where they can 
build off of it. Like, it has a relatively interesting world. The characters are likable. I don't think they'll get Chris Pratt to do the voice for it, but <laughs> it's one of those where I think they have enough to create a show off, and I, I think they will. They tend to do that with a lot of their stuff. Yeah. I mean, you never know. They could get Chris Pratt. They, it's Disney money. Yeah. Well, reminds me a little <laughs> bit of Big Hero 6. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. I like Big Hero 6 a lot more than I like this, though. <laughs> right. I, I like Big Hero 6 a lot, too, but it's like one of those where, like, that was ripe for them doing a side series. Yeah. Uh, so do you know how this uh, fared in the box office? Box office, I mean, it did well. It uh, Its budget was between 175 and $200 million. It made $61 million domestic and $103 million worldwide. It, it's not great, but... You have to consider that the the coronavirus shutdown really, I'm sure, cut into this. It was only out for, I think, two and a half weeks before almost all the theaters shut down. So I'm sure it would have made its budget back given a couple more weeks. Right. And this was one of the first movies that they're like, they were proactive and they're like, you can buy this early. like, And then they put it on Disney Plus because I'm guessing they didn't see the return because we were actually going to rent it. We didn't know you had to buy it. And we're like, well, I don't want to pay $20 for it. Like, I'll wait yeah. two weeks till it comes to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, so on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have this at an 87%, and the audience has it at a 95%. Do you agree with those numbers? That's so high. There's no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I I can't imagine putting this much higher than, like, a 55 or 50 or 60. Uh, I would disagree with you on that. I I would say, like, for me, I'd probably put it in the 70s. Like, I thought it was, it's a solid, like, Pixar movie. It's not one of my favorites, but it's, like, an hour and a half or whatever. It's, like, a it's a good watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm on record hating the Toy Story movies, so it's yeah. better than Toy Story. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine watching this again. Um, so would you recommend our audience check it out? I guess... I mean, everybody and their mother has Disney Plus now, so if you've got Disney Plus, you can watch it for free. Like, go for it. I had gotten rid of my Disney Plus, and so I I got it back for the month mainly so I could watch this. Because I was excited for it based on the previews, and I honestly think I'd rather have my $7. Uh, I would definitely, if you have Disney Plus, I would say check this out. Um, If you have kids, definitely check it out. Like, they'll like it. I think this is fine. Like, it's a fun movie. There are definitely worse movies out there that you can watch if you have all this streaming stuff. And it's quick, which, you know, I I, I like quicker movies. Like, it doesn't feel that long. Like, we just talked about Velvet Buzzsaw. Velvet Buzzsaw felt like it lasted forever, and it's it's only, like, 20 minutes longer than this was. (laughs) Yeah, I will say that. This this did go by fairly quickly. It was an easy watch. All right, guys, uh, we're going to give a quick update on generally what we've been watching or playing this weekend, what we're going to be watching and playing in the upcoming week. Christian, uh, have you watched or played anything good? Uh, well, like I said last week, I've been playing a lot of Horizon. I'm probably 50% of the way through the story again. Um, I Community came to Netflix, which I watched the first maybe season and a half of and really enjoyed. So I, I've been watching a lot of Community in the past week or so. Um. I watched The Core, which is on Netflix, and it was like one of those situations where I know it's terrible, I know I hate it, but I had to watch it again just to remind myself, and <laughs> oh boy, it did not disappoint. 
<laughs> um, otherwise, I, I've got a couple movies in my Netflix queue that I want to try and get to. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll. Hopefully, I have uh, enough free time in this uh, busy, busy world that I'm living in. Yeah. Um. So this week, I've honestly just played a lot more Divinity: Original Sin Two. I've completed Act Three. And I really think this game should have ended after three acts because I wanted to act four and it's just like another large city. And I just, <laughs> I like, I died a little bit and was just like, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> it, but like, I'm so close right now where at, le- at the very least I want to beat this, my, my one playthrough. But it, it, it like, it was rough yesterday. I was like, oh God. And I just stopped playing. I'm like 55 or 60 hours in, and, and oh my God. it wouldn't be that bad if I knew that this was the end, but I know I still have to do another playthrough on the hardest difficulty, so like it's just like dread instead yeah. of like <laughs> elation, because if it was just like one playthrough, I would, I, I'd just be like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to gr- I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to push it out for the next 10 hours or whatever. But it's like, oh, I have to do that. Then I have to do this all again on a harder difficulty. Yeah, I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> I don't I honestly don't know if I'm moving right into the hard difficulty. I'm being kind of burned out on the game and Final Fantasy 7 remake comes out on Friday and that I might true. pick that up. And I also want to pick up the new Doom, but I'm kind of trying to stay on a budget right now, so I don't know. We'll see if I get either of those. Um <laughs> otherwise TV, I've up through like partway through season 5 of The Office. Uh I've been trying to find a new show to watch that I can kind of get behind i've mentioned on the show before i'm a huge fan of like white collar and burn notice and like those types of sort of cheesy tnt sitcom like not sitcoms but procedurals well i have to say i'm also a huge fan of white collar because my dog is named caffrey oh really yep i didn't know you i get maybe you did tell me this before christian i love white collar (laughs) um (laughs) So I'm trying to find a new show like that. I tried, uh, everyone talked about Blacklist. I didn't like it um, that much. I tried Leverage today, which is, I've seen the most consistent uh, suggestion. Leverage is great. Okay, so I watched the first episode and I was like, it's okay, Like I'll continue with it. So I will at least give it a couple more episodes to try out. Where are you watching that? Uh, so I have an Amazon Fire Stick and it is on either Pluto TV or I'm watching it on IMDb TV, which is free with Amazon Prime. Okay. Because I'm always waiting for Leverage to come to Netflix or Hulu and it never does. Uh, Do you have a Fire Stick? I don't, but I have Prime. Um, Somehow you should look into it because in some way I think you can get IMDb TV, which has it on it. Okay. Um. But yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that. I also heard about Suits, but I don't know. It's too close to home. It's about, like, crappy lawyers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, who knows? I also am just like, I should just rewatch White Collar too. <laughs> I never did get 100% to the end. Oh, really? See, I, I really like it. It's solid. I really love, I think, the first three seasons, and after that, once once it starts getting into, like, corrupt congressmen and stuff, I, I started to get away from it. Right. Uh, so those are those are the main things I'm looking at. We'll need to figure out a movie to watch for this week, too. Yeah. All right, and now it's time for our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap on the rules. Christian is going to read me a five-star review for a movie from Amazon. I will get two yes or no questions to help me narrow it down. 
I can then ask for another review or yes. I will get two more yes or no questions. I can get a third review, two more yes or no questions, and then I have to guess. If I get it on the first uh, review, three points. Second review, two points. Third review, one point. And we are keeping score for the year. Christian, I am ready when you are. All right. This is a wonderful story, a mystery that keeps you guessing until the very end. Do you have to pay attention? Yes. Is it dialogue-driven and intelligent? Yes. Does it have a lot of explosions and car chases and well-choreographed fight scenes? No, although there's a little bit of each. Um, Alright, so a mystery with little fighting. Uh, did this come out after 2010? Yes. Does this star Daniel Craig? Yes. <laughs> Is this Dives Out? Yeah. Okay. Damn. put that in i really like knives out i th- is it like anywhere to watch right now i don't know i don't think so i think it's just for like rent and buy on like the play store i'm really excited that they're making that into like a franchise yeah me too um it's like especially if it's like a mystery of the not you know not mystery of the week but something yeah. like that like i i think that's a great thing to have especially because those don't really exist anymore like we used to get like not we but american like the <laughs> 40s and 50s used to get like a sherlock holmes movie every year oh yeah for sure and they're like good like basil rathbone great in those <laughs> I, i'm not joking i bought like i found it at walmart at one point it was like five dollars for like all oh, the man. movies like and i bought them i, I love them that's awesome so we'll see <laughs> You said Basil Rathbone. I genuinely thought that was a character from Sherlock Holmes. No, it was. Like it's, I thought it's, it was a bad guy. <laughs> oh no, Basil, Basil Rathbone. He played. He was an actor of Sherlock Holmes. Um, in like the thirties or forties, whenever those like the old black and white ones were. Oh man, that's hilarious. I mean, he does really have a name from Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh, I mean, isn't Basil the name of some character in that? It might be. I know Basil Exposition is the name of the the guy from Austin Powers. Yeah, so who I mean, yeah, but yeah, so I I do like so I I would love for something like that to come about though. Yeah, I mean we're getting that, and we're also supposed to be getting the uh, Kenneth Branagh Agatha Christie movies too. That'll be exciting. You know, I, we talked about it. I actually really like the Murder on the Orient Express that they did of Perot a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And I I thought they were going to do Murder on the Nile, but they did not. It doesn't seem like they went to do it. Well, no, they're supposed to. Are they? Yeah, a cast was released of like a few months ago, but I mean, God knows where it is with production now. But yeah, right. it, was, it was supposed to come out like spring next year, I think. I would, Maybe I mean, I would go fall. watch it. Yeah, I was excited. I think Josh Gad was supposed to be in it. One of the most annoying things about like everything getting pushed onto separate streaming devices, like streaming apps now, 
is I really want to watch like the Perot television series from the 90s. I watched like the first season when I could easily get it and I, I really like it. But now, like, I have to get BritBox or something, and I'm not paying for that to watch that. <laughs> and it's, like, very annoying. That's just not on something that I can access easily. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for checking out our episode. If you'd like to contact us, we are at GameBots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at GameBots.blog at gmail.com. If you want to give us a suggestion for the Amazon Review Game of the Week, we will probably end up using it. Otherwise, if you're listening somewhere that you can rate or subscribe and you like what we're putting out, please do so. And finally, we have a new website out where we're putting out uh, reviews and a little bit more in-depth discussion on either movies we talk about or movies we haven't gotten a chance to talk about on the show that we still wanted to to make some points on. And our website is GameBotsNetwork.com. Thanks for checking in, guys. Thank you.